Howdy. Rob Lee here with a special message from the fine folks at the Night Owl Gallery. Night Owl Gallery is an intimate artist-run exhibition space and shop featuring emerging Baltimore artists in the heart of the Highland Town Arts District. Here, you will find one-of-a-kind gifts, handcrafted jewelry, and home decor items, along with a few vintage treasures. Located in the rear of 248 South Conklin Street, across from Sally O's, Night Owl Gallery is a unique space that brings together owner Beth Ann Wilson's love of art, community, and culture. Additionally, Night Owl Gallery hosts an array of arts and crafting workshops throughout the year and participates in and hosts community events, many of which are free and open to the public. You're invited to visit in person or online at www.nightowl.gallery. You're invited to join us on Friday, August 5th from 5 to 9 at Night Owl Gallery for the debut of Alive, a show featuring new work by Lookford Baltimore, a.k.a. Gray Dillon. Dillon is a recent graduate of the Baltimore Design School and will be attending Maryland Institute College of Art in the fall. Seamlessly melding street art and fine art, Dillon's body of work is a kaleidoscope of colorful abstractions reflecting on what it means to be alive. The opening reception will take place during the first Friday Highland Town Art Walk and will feature musical performances by Ange the Alien, Basic the Basis, and more. Alive will be on view at Night Owl Gallery through the end of August. Visit www.nightowl.gallery for details. We got a spinoff alert here. Uh, the Truth in This Art Beyond is a spinoff series of The Truth in This Art. Where the original focused on Baltimore, uh, this series extends outside of Charm City to engage in artistically and culturally relevant conversations and sharing rich stories from our favorite cities. And as always, creativity matters here. So I hope you guys enjoy and subscribe. Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Actually, you know, I'm going to give myself a little bit more. I am your host, the Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of being in conversation with a fine artist and curator from Baltimore. Uh, please welcome Sam Iacone. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for popping on. And it's um, it, it, it's, it's like the networking thing kind of works. I, I, I saw you at, uh, I believe it was something with MAP. I believe it was Maryland Art Place. And I was like, okay, I'm just, okay, who's, who's people here? Look for pictures. You, you do art, you do art, and you responded. So shout out to you. <laughs> oh, thanks. No, I love, I love uh, Maryland Art Place and that um, out of order exhibition. Yes. It's, it's a great way to network. I love it. Yeah, I was trying to find my way out of there. It's like, you know how you get to a place and you have a great time, but you've gotten past your expiration date there? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's always hard there because they have those after parties and you want to like stay around for that. Yeah. Too, and yeah. And um, it was like a couple people knew who I was. It's like, oh, I love your podcast. I was like, I don't, I'm not good in person. I'm terrible in person. I need to roll. <laughs> no, that's great though. That's great. Yeah. I do appreciate when, you know, running to people and they're like, yo, dig what you're doing, bro. I was like, yeah, cool. You're op. No. Um, <laughs> So as we get started here, um, I want to tap right in. Um, let's let's talk about your work. And um, in that, uh, tell us about your work, your, your process. And let's talk about imagination a little bit, because I know that that's a big part of, you know, things from what I was reading from the research, from the, the text, as it were. 
<laughs> yeah. So my work has always been, I, I've always leaned really hard into surrealism. It's just something that when I first learned about Frida Kahlo in middle school, just the idea that like painting didn't have to necessarily be exactly what it was and like having a deeper meaning to certain images. So like, I have always loved to just go into that. And recently I've been playing with the line between surrealism and realism and opening up the spectrum to other people's interpretation of my work. Sure. So I used to really do these like grand landscapes that were just completely by imagination based off of like things I was going through or feelings. And what I've sort of turned more into after college is just going off of communication and conversation that I have with my peers and like my most recent series I started in 2020 and it started with just like a, a happy hour conversation at a bar with my my best friend and we were talking about how like this American dream that we were sold as kids doesn't really exist anymore and it really opened this door for me to explore like American historical images and like these paintings and images that like blasted this American dream that I felt like in 2020 and still today in 2022 doesn't really exist in the same way. So my work is really taking current events and situations in American life and displaying them in a storytelling way that incorporates surrealism. Yeah. That's just like, I know that's a lot of words, but it's just like, that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> no, I like I like when people really get into the nuts and bolts of what it is, what have you, because I think I think as creatives and as people who are doing things, it's like I don't really have time to think about what I'm doing. I'm just kind of just doing it. And yeah, <laughs> you're, you're working on it. It's like, oh, well, this is now part of what I do. Oh, have you um, And starting this off? It was just you know, it conversations with interesting people. I was like, no, I just think it's a little bit more than that. And it's yeah. grown into like, sometimes I'll speak with somebody who might be a politician and it's not necessarily a person I always want to talk to, but sometimes it's maybe worth the conversation or I'm doing movie screenings. And so it's much more. And I was like, all right, what is the through line? How do I combine it? So being able to really have a conversation and sometimes talking with people and it's like, oh, this is what you're doing. You're doing this kind of community work. Like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't think about it that way. Oh yeah, definitely community building for sure. There's actually, I creeped on your podcast since you contacted <laughs> me and you've interviewed a lot of people that I've known or I've met. And it's really awesome to see how networking works. It works. And Instagram they are awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try to do ads on there. It's just like, oh, right. Oh, uh, yeah. I haven't explored that. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about like imagination, because I, I find like there have been more conversations, especially with like, you know, like artists, like people who are specifically defining themselves as like artists, because there are some people who do art, but don't consider themselves like artists. It's like I'm something else. But talk about that in terms of play and exploring imagination, because, um, you know, I, I sometimes when I'm at my biggest, at my at my like most expansive, I'm like I can do anything, but I got to see it first. I have to do my imagine, I have to imagine it. And then it's like, OK, this is going to go well because I've seen it in my mind's eye. So so tell me about like how do you you stimulate my imagination and how that really kind of serves you in your practice? 
I mean, for me, stimulating my imagination is really just like a response to just external stimulation. So it's like something as simple as like, I'll be driving on the highway to work and it'll be, the sun will be rising in the way that it'll hit on like a building that I'm passing. I'll think like, Ooh, what would that look like? Or how would that feel if the building was a, a person yeah. and that reflection was like their skin and how would that feel? So it's really just like, for me, a response to things. When I try to like force the imagination thing a little too much, it gets really stale. Mm -hmm. So I just really try to intake stimulation yeah. and respond to it in various ways. Yeah. Do when you have those moments, th th this would normally be a rapid fire question, but I, I think it's I think it's prudent to ask it now. Do you keep something on hand um, to kind of capture maybe an idea when you're getting hit with those like little sparks here and there? So I did used to carry around a little um, a little sketchbook, but with the way that like smartphones are now, it's just so easy for me to either like snap a photo or sometimes even on Instagram stories, you can like snap a photo and then you can like draw on it. Yeah. I love to like just do that real fast and just do a little sketch and then build build on that idea later by like another sketch and then another drawing and then a underpainting and then a painting. That's cool. Um, I, I want to do more of that. And I've been trying to, cause I always keep, I, I have the notes there. Sometimes I'll have notes in the phone and iPhone has become the glass uh, coated bane of existence for my creativity sometimes, because I've, and I've been saying this a lot recently of, I think we get to a spot, especially when we're, we're taking down a note that we're editing while we're doing it. And it's like, all right, you should have just kept the pure clean idea. Yeah. And I, I, I keep a notepad on me now and I try to write something down, but I almost want to go and this feels like a noir like movie or something. I almost want to keep that little recorder. And it's like, here's an idea. It, I it, love but, that. <laughs> but well, that makes it like really pure because it's just right there. You're saying it, whereas you write it, you have to think about how you want to word it things. No, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I used to have like, you know, always one. I, I was, this is really peeling back the curtain a bit. When I was in high school, uh, I remember like freshman year, I, I had one of those recorders. And, you know, when you're, um, I was in a very um, competitive school, like scholastically, and a lot of people didn't have the grades to stay in there for the following year. So you almost had that vibe at the end of the school year of you're graduating. So here's your superlatives writing in a yearbook. And I would go around with this recorder. <laughs> Like a jackass speaking okay. in the speaking in the third person, by the way, Oh no, because <laughs> <You know? awesome. laughs> I was really into the rock at the time. <laughs> I mean, listening back to that now is probably I love to see people's like growth over time. So like listening to that now and then listening to like what you're doing now, like it's actually pretty ironic. Uh, yes, I I will never play those. It, it was it was funny because um, I had one of these things where I used to again in, in high school, I used to rap and my my brother found one of my songs just like he's like yo this is not good and I was like I know that's why I hit it. <laughs> hey, I mean we all make bad stuff. <laughs> this is true. Bad stuff. <laughs> So when it, what is your when is your favorite time of the day to create? Like if you like we all have different obligations, I would imagine you have a, the day job yeah. with, the, yeah. <laughs> with the creative practice. Um, if you you know, like right now, what is your favorite time to do it? Like right now, the way things are currently constructed. And 
if you didn't have any other obligations, when would be your favorite time to do it? So right now, <laughs> because of my day job, I do it literally whenever I can get time, when I'm making dinner and the timer's on. But when I was in college, we had studio courses and we would have like eight to 10 hour classes where like the whole time you just got to make work. And it'd be like 8.30 in the morning until like, like six or seven, I can't remember what it was, but I remember being like halfway through that class and just feeling so awesome that I got to spend that many hours doing what I like to do. And the, the stuff that you can make, being able to put that much consecutive time into it really is like way better than what I'm able to do now. It's just little pieces. <laughs> No, I, I totally dig it. I, I think I saw one of uh, one of your posts. It was just like you gotta get it in when you can, and, and yeah. it's it's almost <laughs> the same vibe when you're working on any anything that is like uh, something that you have to work towards. Like if someone is like taking on like fitness as a, as a bodybuilder or something, and, or working out, it's like you you gotta work out when you can. You may not be able to with all the obligations we have to put in a two hour gym session first thing in the morning you need to walk everywhere. You need to take those steps. <laughs> you need to get it in towards that, that goal that will have you or to put it in, I think, um, creative terms, it, it, the notion of, you know, writing a page a day. Yeah. You, know, you, you do that every day. You got 365 pages at the end of the year. That's a, that's a book. Yeah. That's what, uh, I really had after college was hard, you know, because you don't have the classes, you don't have that push. So it really was just, to say, like, just make the work. The work comes first. You just make it when you can make it and it'll build up and it'll develop. Yeah. And now, I mean, you get to a place where you're talking to me on my 400th and whatever numbered episode. <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> um, who are, and I'm going to, I'm going to modify this a little bit. Uh, who would you say is your, are your biggest influences, but in two specific ways, one that is kind of close to what you do in terms of painting and things of the sort mm -hmm. and someone that is just like you're influenced by them or influenced by what they do, but they have nothing to do with what your work is like. What do you take from those two, two individuals? So I will start with saying um, in college, I had a professor named Tony Shore and this was before I started doing anything remotely close to what I'm doing now. And he makes a uh, black velvet paintings and his process is he gets his friends or whoever's willing, they all come out and they have a nice little party and they take reference photos for him. And he, what he paints like resonated with me so much because it was like, he was painting like fights at night in on like playgrounds and stuff. And like to me, like before I met him, I never even thought about that as an option. But in his studio class, he really like influ influenced me to embrace who I was as an artist. Like it was okay to be the white trash girl from Dundalk. Like it was fine that I was painting candy cigarette packs and my dad with his tongue out. <laughs> so I will say for someone that's close to me, he really taught me to embrace who I was in it as an artist. And that I didn't necessarily need all of this training before I went to college, because when I went to college, I was self-taught all the way up to there. So I felt like super intimidated and he really broke that wall down for me. And then someone that, okay, so it's kind of in the same vein, but it's not, um, 
this past March, I did my first solo show. And um, in my neighborhood, there was this new studio that opened called Studio 87. And it's ran by a, na- a man named Willis Avar. And he, I would say, is like a modern, modern day renaissance man. He's a photographer. He does like commercial 360 shoots. He does weddings. He does, um, this, he runs the studio. And his work ethic was none other like I've ever seen in my life. And it was so inspiring every day to see him. But he, he'll he post reels of him sweeping the floor at the <laughs> studio. And like, I'm just like, get your bag and you make me want to get my bag. It's super inspiring. <laughs> That's 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 dope. Um, yeah, I have like like several or what have you, and I'm really I'm really getting a lot off because I'll put it this way again. You know, peeling back the onion a little bit because you got to share part, part of like people will ask who listens to this. I was like people who like artists and like like conversations and things of that nature. But also I, there are some artists that are like, oh, that's how you do that. So. You know, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I really got into is adding into the whole process of researching and writing and all of that stuff is I, I will go into the audiobooks heavy and I'll go into stuff from like bygone eras. Like I'm l- listening to like old Dale Carnegie stuff and it's like, OK, you're, I'm getting something out of this or having um, listening to um, books on like how to create when you're outside, when you're not in this traditional kind of artistic sense. So like, um, what is the dude's name? Uh, I know he has like the rogues guy for creators and the Austin Cleon books as well. And everything is theft. So that's what I'm kind of seeing in it. And so I, I take from it and it gives me enough to say, oh, this is worthwhile. This is something that you can do. Kind of tying into one of the things you, you were saying that your um, perspective of being the uh, person from Dong Dog, the girlfriend Dundalk, or what have yeah. you, and having your perspective represented is a valid thing. Yeah, 100%. I think um, what you're doing is awesome. It really is. And when when people ask who, who listens to it, people who want to. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's dope. That's a really good good thing. And I think we sometimes we get into this spot, especially when we have that that self-taught thing, because I don't have an audio background. I've just been doing it for a long time. And um, and, you know, you have that kind of chip on your shoulder and you kind of like always have to prove it. Yeah. over and over and it's like oh man I know what I'm doing people just like it that's just what it is <laughs> <laughs> right yeah I've always uh built a wall up in front of myself just thinking that other people wouldn't like it and I just had to bust that down and just do it absolutely so let's talk about surrealism and American class culture a little bit more um so those are influences on your studio work um so is there a real life experience, like specifically, or, or memory that comes to mind that you're like, nah, I got to get that on canvas or, yeah. So um, just when it comes to the American class culture, really what I mean by that is I was raised by working class parents. I watched both of my parents wake up at the crack of dawn and not come home until the sun's setting and work hard every day. And just seeing them, how hard they worked and not really seeing them represented much or accurately or things made towards them. So in my work, like, I just felt like, you know, for example, the the one that's behind me, the newest one I'm working on is a bit at um, Rosie the Riveter because it's like, 
the American idea of like this working woman. Well, in 2022, not only are we working women, but we're, you know, mothers at, at home and we're chefs and we're, you know, cleaners and we're sometimes I am a car technician. I got to change my own, you know, wheel, you know? So for me, like my work, it's, it just hits me right to try and work towards everyday images, mm -hmm. images that are relatable. But the surrealism in my work always just goes straight back to like what brought me into loving to make work in the beginning, which is just the idea of being able to say so much with so little or so many different things with one thing. So in my work, like I really feel like American class culture is not going to go away because it's my life. Mm -hmm. I have a really hard day job and just coming home and releasing that onto a canvas, it feels great. And then to have other working class people come, like when I had my American painting solo show, I had a few pieces in there that really spoke to the working class and having those conversations with those people and seeing that there is value in the person stocking the shelves at Walmart or the lady at the, you know, cashier register at giant. So mm -hmm. that's, that's where those lie in my work. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got, I got one of my, one of my really like close friends. Um, I met him, he was doing a job that I used to have and I just remember, and maybe this falls into the conversation a little bit. I remember the the job that I used to have. I was a janitor at a um, at a telephone company, right? And I was that in in high school and in like first year college or what have you, and just kind of recognizing the way that people treat you when you're cleaning up after them and doing one of those sorts of jobs and. And I was just like, eh, I'm kind of better than this. I have a little bit of an ego. I have a little, okay, I have an ego. Okay, I have a big ego. Um, but when I, when I met my, who would be my friend, I, when I met him, I was just like, it, I felt so douchey about it now, but it, it's kind of funny. It's like, hey, young man, I turned my chair backwards. Hey, young man, here's the thing. But no, I was just kind of reaching out and extending friendship. Uh, and I was just like, man, I was in that role before. I was like, whatever nonsense you hear, don't take it to heart. There's no indictment or your value as a person. And I think that was kind of like us becoming friends. I was like the first conversation we had. And then we started talking about like action movies and we just became boys after that. And I just find that people kind of treat those things that treat people in that that way. Like, hey, I work here and you work for this place. You clean up after me or whatever we do to feel like we're better, slightly better than someone. It's a weird thing. And I think those voices, those stories, those ideas should be represented, whether it be in storytelling, whether it be in, in fine art. And I think a lot of times that's what's missing. And um, I think a lot of times that's where some of that frustration comes from with people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I will tell you that in my um, in my very hard customer service day job, uh, I've come across that a lot. And I think that's especially after the pandemic, it seems like everyone's on edge. So it's like worse than it was before. And I really feel like that's why I dove down into the images that I'm making now, because it's just there's so little value put on these very significant parts of society, mm -hmm. like the trash man, we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't be able to function as a society if the trash man didn't come and pick up your trash. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, crabs in the summer stink uh, more <laughs> yeah. than anything. So I was just like, look, I'm going to need, you know, Joe Trashman to like pull up and like take care of that. And, and this was something I realized a long, long time ago that I was like, once we start losing these conveniences, these public services, like I'll, I'll put it in these terms. If there's one week where they're not picking up trash, let's say it's a holiday or something, it'll throw things off. It's like, yo, I got one trash can. What are we going to do? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about strangeness. Um, that's a weird way to frame it. Uh, so how do you embrace that? Because I think we all have some degree of strangeness, some of those unique qualities that make us good at what we do. Like, for instance, I ask people weird questions sometimes and they pop up in random rapid fire um, or the fact that I've been a podcaster for a very long time and people are like, what the hell is a podcast? And now it's just like, everybody's a podcaster. And it's just me. I'm quiet in real life, but in a podcast, supremely confident. I'll just talk for hours. So, and, and it shows up in my work, I think those, those traits. So within, you know, so what would you think, what would you say your strangeness is or your unique qualities that make you, you, that make Sam, Sam? Um, and how do they pop up in your work? So uh, my strangeness is, I kind of said it earlier, like I'm just the the white trash girl from Dundalk. Like my parents have lived in the same, <laughs> rundown is not the right word, but the same, not very nice house. And um, it's, it gave me this sort of like raunchy edge that like, especially in college, it was really hard because just the, the, I just did not feel like I felt fit in. So I've just, when I started making the work that I'm making now, I really feel like it's part of me coming out. So I feel like I embrace my white trashness <laughs> in my work. Like my most recent painting, I put a bird pooping on my head. Like, <laughs> I see it now. I notice it now. <laughs> if that is not the embodiment of, you know, white trash, what is? That's amazing, actually. <laughs> um, when do you know creative work is ready to share? Because sometimes things got to be in the oven for a little while. And it's like, okay, this is, I've been working on this for a long time. I think we're ready. Nope, we're not. And that <laughs> notion of like painters never really finish a painting. They just kind of stop painting. <laughs> Oh, that last one. I had professors kill that for me in college. They did not like when I would say this painting's not done. They look, no, you need to learn to finish. Um, <laughs> I feel like it depends on what what it is you're working on. I mean, I kind of I, I like to, you know, share things that I like to see myself. I like to see painters building up a painting or, you know, close-ups of like their little brush strokes and stuff. So like, for me, like I'll share my painting when it's in really ugly stages and that's okay. But for other people, it probably works better for them to, you know, keep it in the oven until they feel like it's at the quality they want. But for me, you know, being my white trash self, letting my freak flag fly, I don't care if you see the, the, the F-ups. I really, I like to share. I like to share my creative process at all points. And I think I think people will gravitate towards that. And it, it's something that, that pops up a lot when we're, we're showing the process, we're showing what we're doing, the what there's a Patreon industry behind that's like, oh, here's the behind the scenes stuff. Watch me spill paint on myself or what have you <laughs> or um, but everyone can't be like, you know, when you see someone and they uh, they come out and they have this great beard. And it's like, yeah. I want to see it at the patchy stages. I want to see it when you're <laughs> scratching. You're like, look, I need to peel my face off. This is a bit much. So, yeah, you know, and everyone has a finished beard when it comes to their artwork. 
<laughs> I think it's okay to share it if it's not finished. Who cares if the beard's a little patchy? You know, if it thickens out later, it thickens out. It don't matter. And this is kind of <laughs> this is kind of where it goes. This is about the extent. Uh, Tell me about your your goals as an artist. I mean, for example, like what are some of the areas that you want to grow and what are some of the areas where you feel like you've grown the most in like in the last year? So uh, they're both kind of the same answer. <laughs> in the last year, I was able to do my first solo show. And then I was also able to curate my first um, art show with other artists uh, in partnership with uh, Next Day Floors. And that was something that was like incredible for me. I did not think was ever going to be something like a, a company like that would ask me to come and like show my work. And then when I offer the idea of, hey, you know, it's after the pandemic, uh, art shows are really low. Like, can we expand this to other people? And they let me do everything. And it was awesome. And I would love to curate more shows and bring more artists together because it was, I felt so proud at the end seeing like all of these artists who did not know each other. And then it was like me being that person, bringing them together. And I was like, at one point watching them exchange numbers. And I was like, Oh wow! Look at that. <laughs> That's great. That's a great feeling. Um, yeah, and, and and I think coming out of or being in the a different phase of what we've had with COVID and all of that stuff over the last few years, I think opportunities for people to get together and, and, and truly have fellowship, truly connect and, and share ideas. I think a lot of great things come out of that. Um, and you see more and more businesses and more and more people making work during that time. And um, I think it's a reset. I think it's a cultural reset in some ways It's a byproduct, a positive byproduct, I think. Lastly, last question I got for you, because uh, this, this is interesting as well. This is a relatively new question. Um, Creatively, what are your non-negotiables? Like, I've had many a offer to do to be the voice of things. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Or what are what are certain things that you're like? I don't think I want to do that. You know, if you were commissioned to do something, or there is like, this is how I do my work, and I'm not going to settle for anything outside of how I do my work. So, what are your non-negotiables? Um, my non-negotiables would be I'm just. I cannot connect with any form of computer generated art in the sense of like even illustrator, the separation between me and the materials, I just really don't now, you know, doing something and then transferring that onto the computer, that's a little different, but starting from nothing and making everything on the computer, that is absolutely not something that I ever want to do in my life. I dig and it. it. I, the, the computer and the light, it's just too much for me. I love, I love the dirtiness of painting. White yeah. trash fan loves the dirtiness of painting. <laughs> <laughs> WTS. Um, yes. <laughs> well, one of the it's one of the things that I, I heard. That, you know, different artists talking, and um, I think it was uh, I don't know if it was, it was was again one of the Austin Cleon books, and uh, one of the artists he was referencing, it may have been Tom York, was like, "I don't like computers because it puts a pane a pane of glass between me and my work. I need to get my digits involved. I need to have my hands involved." And Cleon was talking about his process of when he's writing, if he says he has the space, he has two desks. He has one that is digital and one that is analog. And he will write, it's only paper, notepads on the analog. And then there's the computer, obviously, on the digital. And I, I think that 
there's something to be said about that of really being able to get your fingers involved and get your hands involved and, you know, having something that's right there that's tangible and then maybe to your point, translate it to another medium. All right. Now it's rapid fire time. <laughs> so all of the goodwill that I've established in this conversation thus far is going to go out the window. It's it's going to get weird. It's going to get dark. It's it's going to be emotional, as they say. Uh, so, first question, and remember, try to answer these as quickly as possible. Okay. Uh, what profession other than your own would you want to try? Like, what are you curious about trying as a profession? I actually really love science. So, if there is some type of science experimental job that I could be doing, where I'm like testing stuff in a lab i would like that okay get involved with your hands again yeah yeah see yeah <laughs> what do you often think about in the shower uh <laughs> everything bills uh dinner what i'm what i gotta clean when i get out all that stuff <laughs> i'm usually thinking about like yo what's my next meal like what do we Ugh. Or, or it's like, man, I can't believe I, like I watch a lot of horror movies. It's like, man, yeah. I can't believe that happened. Like I watched the sadness recently. Wow. That is, it's it's dark. It's it's a bit tough. It's a bit it's a it's a rough watch. I mean, I'm I'm a good, good horror movie. Okay, it's so on Shutter. You should get familiar with it. Okay, I will I will check that out. Report back. Um, <laughs> on a Friday night, typically, what are you doing? Hmm. I mean, uh, before nine o'clock, probably cleaning or cooking. <laughs> After nine o'clock, probably painting in the studio or eating trashy food and watching Netflix. That's so on brand. So on brand. It, it tracks. It tracks, as you say. Uh, what was the last gift you received? Um, was it Mother's Day was the last? I, I think it was chocolates. I think that's what I got for Mother's Day. <laughs> and this is this is the show star for once, the last one I got for you. Um, name? No, better yet. What is your favorite four-letter word that starts with an F? <laughs> That's super random. <laughs> I know, it's a very random question. I immediately thought of the word for, F-O-U-R, but I was like, that's boring. Are we allowed to curse on the podcast? I mean, if that's your word, that's your word. All right. My word is fuck. <laughs> you really, you really dragged that one out. I like it. There's yeah. a lot of C's in there. I'm a, I'm a, I curse like a sailor. I do. I, I was going to go with food, something more bland and banal. That's a good one also. <laughs> or fame or fire. <laughs> okay. This is a little bit of a trolley question. It used to be, um, what is the first letter of your favorite curse word? And people used to just say the curse word. And I was like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, actually. That's all of the questions I had. You did well on rapid fire, uh, you know, and you got all the other questions done. So I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check out your work and um, anything that you really want to like shout out at the end of this pod. Okay, well, um, I would say anyone who's interested in seeing the work that I'm making or any of those videos I mentioned earlier, I would say follow me on Instagram. I'm at Sam Iaconi, so that's S-A-M-I-A-C-O-N-I. -I. And if you want to see a painting of mine in person, uh, in August, I will be participating in the Lee Saloons. 
the Lee Saloon Show at Tag the Artist Gallery in Frederick, Maryland. And that is from August 5th to August 28th. So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Sam Iacone for being on the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying it is art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Thank you.